Welcome to Scanner School. This is session number 176 of the podcast. All notes from today's podcast can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 176. Today's podcast is sponsored by our two brand new training courses. Our free SDR course, The Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Software-Defined Radio, will get you started with SDRs in an afternoon. We will show you what hardware and accessories to buy to get started with Software-Defined Radio. Then we'll show you the step-by-step how-to to to install the drivers, tune your first frequency with SDR Sharp, and then have you monitoring digital at the end of this free course. Our advanced course continues with beginner's course left off and levels up your SDR experience. In this course, you'll learn even more about software-defined radio. We will show you how you can substitute an SDR for your high-end digital scanner, how to monitor HD radio, monitor trunk systems and overhead data with Unitrunker, and even how to monitor all the talk groups on a system and never miss a beat with SDR trunk. You can sign up for both courses at courses.scannerschool.com. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Blurpy Benner, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Eddie K., Edward Bramblett, Evan Barak, Gary Fletcher, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, James Braxton, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Robert, Robert Kessler, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, Tom Barrick, and William Arcand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. Today, I am answering your questions. Now, we had a nice turnout on our, our voicemail system so either by speak pipe or our local number again which is 516-308-2885 and today's podcast i'm answering nothing but voicemail questions so thank you everybody who has submitted questions via voicemail again these are the top priority answers because these are those questions that somebody did a little bit extra and uh put their voice out there so 
We put them in the top of the list. But also, they go into their names going to a hat for running for a free tutoring call. Basically, what a tutoring call is, uh, I'll sit down with the winner or whoever wants to book a tutoring call, and we go through whatever is on their mind when it comes to the scanner radio hobby. So, for example, I worked with somebody just this past week, and we walked walk through setting up their BCD 436 and their 536, and it was a very interesting call. It was brand new to me because this person was blind. So it was... Um, it was a different experience, right, for me. And this is one of those things that I felt great after helping this person because they started off with a scanner that uh, was semi-working, then didn't work at all, and we were able to go through everything and troubleshoot it and get them back up and running. So the scanner is no longer a paperweight, but is something that is now able to, to be used. So, again, if you're looking to book me for a tutoring call, again, you can go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. But for now... We are answering your questions. And don't forget, too, we're answering questions live tonight on Facebook and YouTube and probably Twitter and also, if it works out well, Instagram. So don't forget, you go to scannerschool.com slash ask to submit a question. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, again, scannerschool.com slash YouTube or also Facebook. And uh, join us tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time for our live sessions and again anybody who's a patreon member in the extra credit club also we have our patreon only extra credit roundtable that happens after the general 30 minute live q a session all right i know it's a lot so let's get right in now to our very first question and i'm very happy to hear that les stevenson is back again les is kind of a staple here on the ask scanner school sessions and i'm glad to see that he is uh he's still there with some questions so les from canada go ahead with your question les Stevenson. i have two questions for you first question my top group my truck system can you look at a priority channel? Also, second question. What is up in the six gig range? The six gig range. I saw a dongle on Amazon Canada. It was up to six gigs. What's between the 1700 and um, six gigs? What's all through there? Also, I need two dongles to um, receive transmissions. Thanks a lot, Phil. All right, Les. Really great question. So, can you use priority with your trunk radio scanning? So this is one of those questions that is a yes-no type of situation here. So when it comes to typical trunk radio scanning, what happens is all of the data is on the control channel. So you get basically any uh, voice channel assignments, any grants, any direction happens only on the control channel. In order to use priority on your scanner, you have to be basically on the control channel. What ends up happening, though, in P25 is that some of the overhead messaging is also given over the voice channel. So in those instances, you do have the ability to use priority talk groups on your scanner. Now, have I ever seen it really work well? I haven't really been able to see it work well in my examples and when I've tried it, but I haven't really done too much debugging or trying to figure out if it's just what I've been setting up or anything else like that. Because again, when it comes to me, what I'm mostly doing when I need something that's priority is I'll use software-defined radios to do that process. And when it comes to SDRs, what I typically do with that is I will leave a 
SDR dongle monitoring just the control channel so I can see everything that's going on. And then I'll set up a bunch of talk groups that I want to have as a priority level. So maybe it's fire departments as a one, police departments as a two, EMS as a three, just for example. And I have a SDR dongle I use as my voice follower. And I just use that one to set up. This way, I'm guaranteed not to miss anything when it comes to priority and P25 and any other trunk systems. Now, when it comes to anything besides P25, those protocols don't announce the information or the voice grants over the voice channels. So you have to be monitoring the control channel in order to do priority scanning on a talk group. So again, in order to do that, your scanner is really not going to be the best tool for the job there. But again, a software-defined radio with a second dongle, again, one active on the control channel, one active as a voice follower, is really a good way to do it. Now, again, if you're looking for a simple, easy way to do it, you can use something like DSD+, and now will get the job done. So again, it's, your money is going to vary on this one. I haven't had much luck setting it up on my scanner only because of, I guess, how my local systems is set up over here. But again, if you want to set with SDR, that's probably the best way to go. All right, now on for your second question. So what's going on between, say, 1,700 megahertz and 6,000 megahertz, or 1.7 gig to 6 gig? So there's a lot of stuff that's going on there. A lot of it could be low power. A lot of it is high power. But most of it has to do with communications, because, again, that's what frequencies are for, Right. So one of the big things we're going to find there is cellular carriers. Now, again, here in the States, and I'm also assuming up where you are in Canada, because we're in the same ITU region, we're going to basically have the same designators when it comes to what's going to be where. Now, again, some of the stuff doesn't translate where well, such as where we have federal down from 400 to 430-ish you have, I guess, public safety up in Canada because I know up in New York where you've got the, the border, some of the public safety is actually in the federal band up there because we have to coordinate with Canada. We can't interfere, right, with the Canadian band plans up there either. So you can't put stuff in the T-band because you're using it for something different in Canada. So with that in mind, what we have here in the States and what also may work out well because of ITU designators as well is that you have cellular carriers, big use between 1.7 and getting up now towards the upper threes, low fours gigahertz range. So we have here in the States, we have the AWS spectrum, which runs 1700 and 2100. We have WCS spectrum that runs 3.5 gig. You have CBRS, which is the civilian broadcast radio spectrum or service or something like that, I believe is what it stands for. And that's basically uh, about 60 members or 60 agencies that came together and formed a an alliance, I guess is what you would call it, right? And it made up of companies such as Apple and Alphabet and the wireless carriers and companies like Nokia and Qualcomm so and, and, and you know even Ericsson. So cellular providers handset providers, computer, right, stuff like that. And CBRS is in the three gig range as well. And again, it's, we're going to have 5G. And the the carriers, right, the cellular carriers are interested in CBRS because they can kind of use that as, as an extension of the spectrum. But you can also use it for Wi-Fi or to replace Wi-Fi. And the speeds are much better on CBRS than they are in Wi-Fi. But again, we're going up in frequency. So we are shrinking our footprint as to how far that can go. The nice thing too about CBRS too is that it's an inside 
use spectrum as far as or not really so much an outside use spectrum. So you can have a lot more reuse on there as well. What else do you find in that neck of the woods is you would find stuff like satellite downlink and, and radio navigational aids. So a lot of downlink from space to earth you'd find in there. Now, again, there's a lot of stuff going on there, but remember a lot of this stuff could be directional too. So you would have to point directly at the satellite or the object that you're trying to receive in order to pick it up. So you can get a lot of reuse on those frequencies there as well. So again, a lot of point-to-point -point communication when it comes to those frequency ranges or wireless communications, data, those kinds of things up in there. So why would your dongle go in that neck of the woods? Well, pretty much so you can investigate and see what's up there. Is it going to be the best receiver? Probably not. But it's still cool to get a receiver and say, oh, you know, I can see a whole wireless carrier up here or there's some interference up there or there's something going on. So just because the dongle can go up there doesn't probably mean it's the best tool for the job, but it's still cool that it will work up there. So again, another typical <laughs> to your answer, your money will vary a little bit when it comes to these things as well. All right, now on to your third question is, do you need more than one dongle? So tying back into the first response here is that it's going to depend on what you're going to do here. For most instances and for most setups, one is going to get you started, right? So if you're looking at monitoring a DMR system or a P25 system or something like that, with DSD plus Fastlane, there is a one dongle solution, which would work exactly how your scanner works. Basically, the SDR is going to monitor the control channel. DSD plus is going to say, hey, there's a voice grant over here. This is in our non-locked out list. Let's go over there and listen. And it's going to go listen. When it comes to software such as uh, trunk SDR, you may be able to get away with one dongle if everything you want to listen to is in the footprint of that dongle. Again, you have about 2.4 megabytes or uh, mega samples per second. That's pretty much two and a half megahertz of bandwidth. So as long as what you want to listen to is within there, your dongle could tune to that and leave it on a centralized frequency. So you may be able to get away with listening to more with less. Same thing with Unitrunker and software like that as well. But for the most part, if you really want to maximize what's going on, two dongles could be the way to go. But there are solutions for this single dongle setup. Now we'll be covering all of those in our advanced SDR course. So again, if you want to sign up for, or if anybody wants to sign up for the advanced SDR course, you can go to courses.scannerschool.com. Again, the free course, the beginner's guide, again, is free. Same URL, courses.scannerschool.com. That'll get you started with SDR in about oh afternoon. But again, the advanced course, we're still building it out. It is open for purchase and enrollment, though, with the understanding that I'm still building it out. In fact, as soon as I'm done with this podcast episode here, I'm going right back to creating more videos for that course. And it's going to be a very, very detailed and in-depth course. <clears throat> There's a lot there to cover. So with that, let's... Thank you very much for asking your questions again, and uh, hopefully that answered everything you were asking me. So again, thanks again, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, let's go on to our next question that was uh, phoned in by Lee Smith. Lee, go ahead. Hi, Phil. This is Lee Smith, KD2DRS. Phil, I recently took a trip from uh, JFK all the way down to uh, Fort Lauderdale and brought my scanner and the like, and uh, I thought it would be uh, incredibly eventful being, uh, you know, 35,000 feet high. We set up to really monitor 108 to 136, the airband. I really heard nothing. 
I don't understand that. I did have an intent on it. And my thought process is, um, what's the best way to set this up? Are there other frequencies I should be looking at? It did scan. This is, I have a, uh, Uniden 436. So I did at some point open it up to everything and some other frequencies here or there, like fire, whatever came in, I think over North Carolina. So just wondering if there's a, a good strategy here. That's it. Thank you. All right, Lee. Great question. So I'm trying to, um, I, I think in what the way you had things set up is you set them up so that it was a search range in the aviation spectrum and not a close call range. And I asked that because Chris has a observation and he's going to be the next question that, that follows in queue here. But let's just assume that you're doing a search. Don't forget you're flying in a full metal tube, right? And that can definitely have an effect on what it is that you're able to monitor, right? Uh, is it like a Faraday cage? I don't really think so. But again, it could attenuate what you are trying to monitor. Is that the end all be all? No. So what could be happening here? Well, what could end up being happening is the fact that aviation, again, is AM broadcast and it is when I say in broadcast, but it's broadcasted or transmitted in amplitude modulation, but it's a very quick transmission. It's it's a pilot. It's done. It's ground. It's done, right? There's no long carrier. There's no squelch tail. There's no repeater involved. So unless you happen to catch that small blip, you're not going to be able to really capture a frequency. So that's what makes it really difficult to, or a challenge, or not, you know, what makes it really fun too, to do Miller. And that's why a lot of these people that have Miller, it part of the hobby, they get a ton of radios set up and they break them down into very small search ranges so that they can increase their chances of having a positive hit on a frequency. So if you're scanning from low end, say 116 all the way up to 136-ish, that's 20 megahertz that you're you're scanning through or you're searching through. And again, once the scanner goes past that, unless there's something that's active, at that instance, you're going to miss it, which also probably is, is evident when you were looking for fire departments and you heard them when you were flying over North Carolina because, again, they're a lot longer when it comes to transmissions and they have a repeater system. So there's more there to monitor, right? The, the time length of that transmission is longer than the time length of transmission for AM aviation. So what can we do to kind of help things out? Well, first thing we want to do is we want to look at what some of the possible frequencies are that we may want to listen to. So what I would recommend doing is on the next flight or the return flight you have is possibly set your scan up for a search with scan and put in some of the known frequencies that are going to be along your route, such as maybe some ground and clearance frequencies for the airspace you're going to go into. Because again, here in New York, we've got a, a common ground and, and a common clearance. And I'm sure it's the same way as you go down the eastern seaboard. But also, again, you're going to have tower frequencies you may want to listen to again. And you may want to set up a bank that just has those in there. So you've got a better chance at getting a positive hit. But one of the, the better things to put in is basically going to be the New York Air Route Traffic Control Center, okay? And we're calling it the New York Center because it's two halves. It's either San Francisco or it's New York is a designator on this. And these are basically frequencies that are in use when 
you have planes that are over 29,000 feet in altitude, which is pretty much where you are, right? So when I look at radio reference and I go into New York State and I just stay in the statewide section, I scroll down, you can see the N90 traffic as well, but I'm looking at New York, the ZNY air route. And we see uh, listings here for Massachusetts and North Carolina and New Jersey. And of course, we see New York and Pennsylvania, right? So these are all Eastern seaboard, basically, transmissions. And a lot of these are all the same, but you have sector, say, 65, sector 82, 83, 87, 42, sector 9, right? And what you're going to have to do is you may have to do a little bit of investigation. You have to bring up some uh, some flight maps, and, and those will actually show you the, the bubbles around the area and the and the zone or the frequency that they would actually be used for. Do a little bit of homework before your next flight and put those frequencies in. And I will bet dollars to donuts so you have a little bit better time receiving things. Again, I've monitored these frequencies, especially, you know, when it's not really much else going on here. And again, they're very quick. It's an aircraft, it's the uh, flight control, right? It's it's pretty much one the other, one the other, one the other. So nothing stays up long. It's a it's just the pilot and the ground, the pilot and the ground. So maybe set up your scanner to do a five second hold time in these frequencies, and then do a search, and then come back to these and do a hold in here, and then go back and do a search, and possibly you'll have a much much better enjoyment or much better time listening to what's going on while you're flying. Again, don't forget the common aviation frequencies such as 1234, 12345, 123.0, stuff like that, or pilot to pilot and, and stuff, you know, would, would also be of interest to you as well. So let us know how you make on your next flight and your return flight. It has been decades almost since I've stepped foot on an airplane and taken a flight myself. I'm not much of a flyer. I, I'd rather be either on on the hard surface or on on the water. That's my two preferred methods of travel. So again, let us know how you make out. Definitely uh, call back in when uh, when you try us again. And uh, we look forward to hearing your response. Again, Lee, thank you so much for asking your question. All right. We'll be right back with two more questions after this break. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Reader user should at least 
put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, Phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how this system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Okay, welcome back. Now let's take a question from Chris Paris. Of course, some of you remember Chris was a guest earlier in the podcast on session 143, where we talked about federal monitoring. So Chris, go ahead with your question. Hi, Phil. This is Chris Paris of the Federal Wavelengths column with a question for you. Over the years, many people have claimed that the close call function on unit and scanners doesn't work with aircraft reception. I can say that that's not true, that aircraft do come in on close call reception just fine on the unit and radios. But I had an incident recently, which I've noticed is kind of hindering that. I had a chance to spend some time at a major airport and had my unit and 536 scanner set up, and it was catching plenty of traffic from aircraft on a close call. But the communications were all coming up in the VHF aircraft band, but in the FM mode. And I looked and looked and looked and can't find anywhere in the menu settings in the 536, and I'm assuming the 436 is the same, to set the auto mode or set whatever mode the close call reception should be in. And I don't know if this is an issue with the scanners or just something that I haven't programmed properly, but the first time I've run into it. So I thought I'd leave this question for you and see if you can come up with an answer for me. Thank you. Hey, Chris. Thanks for asking that question. Good to hear you again. 
So this one's an interesting one. I had to do a little bit of uh, research my own and also dig in this one just a little bit in order to find maybe an answer for you, but maybe not. And I'm thinking more of it's a maybe not kind of answer on this one for you. So I do know that the Udidin receivers will do close call in AM. And I know that for a fact because I've done it. One of the best examples I've given before on the podcast is when I've used close call to find Marine U.S. military, the Marines were coming in doing a demo where they would fly in with the helicopters, rappel down, and would come into formation basically. But you wouldn't hear them, right, until they're right overhead. So, of course, the first year I show up there and, and watch the demonstration, you get surprised because all of a sudden it's, 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 things start off really quiet. And bam, the helicopters are right overhead. They're loud. And you're like, where did these things come from? I mean, they just appeared out of nowhere. You don't hear anything until they're right there. So, of course, the next year, I bring my scanner, right, and put it in close call mode. I set it up for the uh, military air band, and I pick them up, right, in 315 megahertz, plus or minus whatever it is. I believe it was 315 even or something like that. So, good. I got them. They came in, aviation, mill air, AM, worked great. The following year, I go back there. And now I'm ready for them again, right? I got last year's frequency. I know what they're going to be. I got close call on again. And I got the PA system set up. And you can hear the pilots talking and you hear the chatter, right, coming in. And I'm listening to it on my scanner. So now I know, okay, they're close. They've, they're probably on the other side, you know, just outside of earshot. And they're going to come in and surprise everybody again. Again, AM works great. I use this at the air shows. Mill air, AM works great. Why is it not working for... Standard AM general frequencies. That's the odd part. So the more I'm digging into this, the more I'm realizing that I didn't use a 325P2. I didn't even use a 436. I used a BR330T. That was the radio of choice back in that day when I was doing this stuff. So that's the radio that I know did AM in aviation, or at least in the middle air band. Did something change between then and now? Did you didn't forget to code that in? Is it a bug? I don't know. I'm not close enough right now to an airport, and I've had my radio on close call all day long in the aviation band. Just assuming maybe, and you know, an airplane will fly overhead and I'll catch them. I mean, I'm not too far away from an airport, but that's a good one. That's that's definitely a good one. Now I know that you can go into your scan settings and set up a custom scan list. And set the modulation for that to be AM. But you're right. There's no settings in the scanner that can say, I want close call to be AM. Now, there is a close call range that's called air in Sentinel. And that does have the regular aviation frequencies. But are they AM? Great question. I haven't been able to confirm or deny that that's an issue, but there's no way, you're right, there's no way in the scanner to say use AM for a close call right now. So that's interesting. Now I know, Chris, you've got other radios out there as well, so I'm really kind of wondering, is this something with the Home Patrol lineup, such as the 436, 536, SDS 100 and 200? Is this something that got added in recent firmware, such as the 320P2, the 125? Is that the same? And my older 330T just happened to work fine because that wasn't an issue back then? 
I would really love to get to the bottom of this. So I'm going to make sure that the next time I'm near the closest airport to me, I'm going to take the radio with me and leave it on close call and see if I can hear something. Because reality is, if I am sitting across the airfield from the tower, I should be able to hear the tower. And if I am seeing an airplane taxiing out, I should be able to hear the airplane. And if I don't, well, then we all know what the issues are. So I invite anybody else out there, too, if you're close to an airport and you're into aviation monitoring. Seems to be a theme on today's podcast, doesn't it? But if you're listening to aviation, have you tried close call? Has it worked for you? Like I said, I know the mill air worked well for me on my BR-330T, but I don't know about a newer scanner. Chris, great question. I wish there was more that we can supply on this one, but it seems like I'll have to get back to you and we have a little bit of research. So, Chris, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. All right, let's go on to our last question, which came in from Mason Kramer. Mason, go ahead, take it away. Hi, Phil. Uh, this is Mason Kramer. I have uh, two questions for you. My first is about filters. I have a Uniden SDS 100 with multiple filter options, such as normal, invert, wide invert, etc. My question is, what do they mean? How do they work, and how can I use them to enhance my scanning of analog and digital VHF, UHF, and 800 transmission? My second question is about antennas. I'm looking to install a second antenna on my roof. I have a metal roof. Does it make sense to use a to use my metal roof as a ground plane, and what type of antenna should I use for capturing UHF, VHF, and 800? Thank you. Hey, Mason. Great, great questions there. So the filters, yeah, this is something that has been driving a lot of people nuts for a very long time. And there's really no clear answer as to what the filters are or exactly how they work or anything like that. So one of the best answers I have seen to this came directly from Uniden. And I actually bookmarked this from the radio reference forums. And it's a post from Upman. Remember, Upman passed away not too long ago. But his answer to one of these questions was simply, normal is high pass, invert is low pass, and wide is wider pass frequency. That's the answers. <laughs> That's it. That's really all the information we have to go by. And of course, global is whatever the global filter is set to in the scanner. But what ends up happening basically is this is a your money is going to vary type of situation. So what might work well for you in one location may not work well for somebody else in another location. So what you kind of have to do is play around with the radio and find out, okay, you know, in my area here on this trunk system, the normal pass filter will work fine. Or I'm missing a lot of transmissions in aviation. What if I set it to invert? Okay, that works better now. So now I'm not saying that's exactly the rule here, but that's what you got to kind of figure out is you kind of go through the radio and say, okay, I'm missing some transmissions or they're not coming in as well as I thought they were. Let me play with the filter settings and go through that. So that's really what the filters are. So in other words, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? If things are working well for you and you don't have any reason to mess with the filters, leave them alone. Leave them alone. But if you're not picking something up or you, you expect that there should be something better, then try playing with the filters. Try setting it for invert or, or normal or whatever. And just like I said, just play around with it. There's unfortunately no real, no answer when it comes to saying this is the cutoff range or this is exactly how it works. It was just from Upman. It's a post from April 12th, 2019. It just says normal is high pass, invert is low pass, 
Why is wider pass frequency? That's that's his answer to his question, to the question. Now, as far as using your metal roof as a ground plane, that's something you can try. And again, a lot of this hobby is based around the fact of trial and error. That's what part of what makes this a fun hobby, right? You try something, you figure out if it works for you or not. And if not, then you try something different. For example, on my house, I got rid of my ST2 scanner antenna and I put up a Austin Ferret. And everybody said the Austin Ferret was a gangbuster kick-butt antenna. You're going to love it. It's going to work well. I looked online, saw tons of reviews that said exactly that. And I also saw tons of reviews that said this is, antenna is garbage. Well, I went all in, and I bought one of those antennas, and I am not happy with them at all. And I want to go back to a discount antenna. I'm going to go with a Diamond D130NJ, by the way, if that's what you're going to ask. So with that said, I took a chance on something that people said would work. People said it wouldn't work. And I'm not happy with it. However, I've looked at other antennas, and I know that other antennas work just as work pretty well as well. So your issue is different because you've got a metal roof, and again, you could take a mag mount antenna and throw it on a cake plant, cake pan, and that works as your ground plane. Can you put a mag mount antenna on your metal roof? I don't know. I mean, it's worth a shot, but if your roof is pitched at all, then you're going to have a problem with the orientation of the antenna, the polarization of the antenna, right? So you want to make sure the antenna is perfectly vertical. Now, you could bend the vertical or the element at the base, and I've seen that done on, on vehicles, right, where the, the mount comes off the side of the fender and they bend it, the, 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 uh, the antenna where it's mounted in, so the antenna is still vertical. Yeah, that's, that's a way you can do it. But would, you, would I do that? I don't know. I think you're kind of in a situation here where I would be more more worried about distancing an antenna from your metal roof so that the metal roof doesn't interfere with the pattern of the antenna. That's more of what I would be worried about. So you would, I would put my antenna, well, there's going to be a calculation for this. If I say anything, I know I'm going to be wrong. Is it two full wavelengths, wavelength and a half? There's some formula that you, you, you want to keep a distance of. So again, what's a wavelength? The wavelength is your frequency in meters, right? And so we know that, say, 144 is 2 meters. 400 is about 70 centimeters. And uh, I, I can't remember what 800 is, but 900 is 23 centimeters. So somewhere in that neighborhood right there. So, again, if that's a full wavelength, then double that, right? And be above that with your with your metal roof where you mount the antenna. The other thing you do, too, is mount the antenna off to the side of the of the. the the house so it's not directly over the metal roof so that would be more of my concern like where is the antenna in relation to the metal roof i don't know if if the metal roof is treated with anything that would prevent it from working well again metal coated in plastic it should still work fine right because metal coated with paint and primer and clear coat works well also because it's still using the aluminum car body as the ground plane so I don't have a definite answer for this one. And I feel like this is kind of an episode where I don't have answers for some reason. But I, this is going to be another one of those. I'm going to say it again. Your money is going to vary on this one. I think we have to come up with something that is going to work well on your roof. Now, again, a lot of antennas for vehicles are made to use ground planes. A lot of antennas for home are not made to be used in a ground plane environment. So this could lead you up to an example of, well, now you're any, any mobile radio antenna could work fine for you. But I would be better off recommending a home-style antenna. So something like a discount antenna would be something I would recommend. Again, I'm going to swap mine out to the Diamond D130NJ. And, of course, I've got affiliate links up on my website for that one at scannerschool.com slash D130NJ. 
And I like that this Conan Tenet's an equal opportunity offender, which means that it works equally poor, I guess you could say, across all bands. And it works on all bands, and that's the trade-off here, right? It's it's works pretty much wherever you're going to park your radio. So if you want to go down into the VHF low spectrum, if you want to go into VHF, UHF, 800, that antenna is going to work. It works great in, in the Millera band. It works great in the aviation band, public safety band. You name it, it's going to work there. You don't need separate antennas in order to go across all the bands. That's why a lot of scanner radio users like Discone antennas. And even when you go to an air show, you look at the comm cart, there's a Discone antenna on the comm cart as well. So again, what I would do, get the Discone antenna, get as high up over the roof as you can, maybe off on the corner, and go that route. But again, you could try it out. See if your metal roof will help you with the ground plane. But typically, home installation, home install antennas, tower type antennas are all made without the need of a ground plane because there's no there's no ground plane there. So best of luck. Let us know how you make out. And thank you very much for your question. Okay, so I want to thank everybody who's asked a question on this week's podcast. And again, let me know how well we did. But before we go, we're going to pick a winner here. So what I have here in front of me is I've got a spreadsheet and I've got the four people who submitted a question in the spreadsheet. So that means I've got Les Stevenson, Lee Smith, I've got Chris Paris, and Mason Kramer all in the spreadsheet. And I'm going to hit the refresh button three times, and we will see who ends up being the winner. Now, again, too, I've got one, two, three, four, just in order of the questions that came in here. So let's go ahead here. i got one, two, three, and four. Okay. So with that, Mason, you are the winner of this month's free tutoring session. Congratulations very much, Mason, on that. So reach out to me, send me an email, phil at scannerschool.com, and I'll give you the code to use so that the tutoring session does not cost you a single dime. But if anybody else would like a tutoring session, again, you can go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring to book a tutoring call. Again, I'm looking for more questions. Scannerschool.com slash ask. Again, you can fill out the online form. But again, if you use SpeakPipe or a local number, 516-308-2885, that is how you get to the top of the list and also a chance to win a free tutoring session. So remember, we talked about a lot of stuff on today's podcast, and we'll have all of the links and session notes at scannerschool.com slash session 176. Also, please remember that you subscribe to this podcast by clicking the subscribe button on your podcast player. Or if you're watching us or listening to us on YouTube, you subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Don't forget to we have a newsletter where we let you know every week what is going on here at Scanner School. Remember, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend on your favorite Facebook pages, tweet it out on Twitter, do whatever it takes to help spread the word because I want to help more people when it comes to the Scanner Radio hobby and I cannot do that without your help. Also, don't forget tonight, 9 p.m., if you're catching this podcast on day of, we will have our live Q&A session on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And also our Patreon extra credit members can also join us for our roundtable discussion that follows as well. So with that, I'll say see you tonight or see you next week, depending where you are. I'm Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School, and we'll teach you everything to know about the Scanner Radio Hobby 73.